0: Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito. I'm here today with Dr. Jack Wells, uh, who is with Palmetto Retina in South Carolina. Jack, welcome to Retina Synthesis.
1: Carmen, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Jack's been a real uh, pioneer in clinical trials of diabetic retinopathy, and recently at the 2022 angiogenesis meeting, presented the two-year results from the Ryan and Yosemite studies. on Ferisumab. Can you tell us a little bit about what Ferisumab is and why it should be of interest to physicians treating uh, macular diseases?
1: Yeah, sure. So obviously um, all the currently available agents to treat diabetic uh, retinopathy, diabetic macular edema have been centered on inhibition of VEGF. And there was a lot of preclinical evidence um, that, um, the angiopoietin, uh, pathways, uh, might be important, um, to look at in terms of promoting vascular stability. So we know that in, um, the same conditions that VEGF is upregulated, there's upregulation of angiopoietin 2, which tends to destabilize, uh, the endothelium and, uh, uh lead to vascular indis- instability and leakage. And so, this um, uh, molecule, ferricumab, is uh, really the first bispecific uh, antibody in, um, in ophthalmology where there is an arm that uh, binds VEGF and an arm that binds uh, angioportin 2. And it seems that the combination of those inhibiting both of those leads to greater stability of the uh, diabetic vasculature and longer- uh, duration of treatment effect than VEGEP inhibition in alone.
0: So at the angiogenesis, you presented the two-year results of Yosemite and Ryan. So why don't you tell us a little bit about these trials and how they were designed and what the questions they asked were.
1: So Yosemite and Ryan were two very large, uh, phase three trials. That's really the largest trials of DME that I'm aware of. And, um, they both um, looked at treatment of center-involved diabetic macular edema uh, with furisumab in two different dosing schedules versus a, a uh at its regular usual labeled dosing schedule. So uh, eligible patients uh, had to have a center-involved DME with an OCT central subfield thickness greater than 325 microns and visual acuity of 2040 to 2320. And eyes were equally randomized to either um, forizumab given in six monthly loading doses and then every eight weeks thereafter through two years or um, uh given in four monthly loading doses. And then according to what was termed a personalized treatment interval, which was essentially a treat and extend strategy uh, through two years. And those two arms were then compared to a Flubraceb given in five monthly loading doses and then every eight weeks through two years, which is basically according to the label on the drug. And the um, primary import of the study was the corrective visual acuity at one year. And they averaged that over weeks 48, 52 and 56. So it was an average visual acuity over those three visits. And that was used as the mean change uh, from baseline. And then the patients were again followed and treated through two years. So the study end was at two years. So that was basically the design. The Treat, the treat and Extend um, group, they were given four monthly doses at, at, from baseline and then monthly dosing was continued until they achieved a central subfield thickness of less than 325 microns. And then at that point, treatment was given uh, at increasing intervals, if the patients were stable, if they were improving, they were continued at four week dosing. Once they were stable, they could be extended in four week increments up to 16 weeks. And if at any point they were worsening, then their intervals would, could be reduced by four to eight weeks. So that was how that uh, treat and extend strategy was
0: designed. So what were the results?
1: So, importantly, so the primary important was the mean change in visual acuity. And in, in both studies across all three arms, roughly at one year, all groups gained about 11 letters. So there was no, ferricumab was non-inferior. There were basically equal vision results. Um, and that change, mean change in vision was sustained through two years. Um, so that was, that was good to see. The main uh, thing that was in the Ferisumab uh, Treat and Extend group, the per- personalized treatment interval group, um, at one year, 50% of those eyes uh, were on a 16-week dosing schedule and another 20% were on a 12-week dosing schedule. So 70% of the eyes in that Treat and Extend uh, arm were on a 12 week or longer uh, dosing schedule. Um, so obviously for the angiogenesis presentation, it was the first presentation of the two year results. Everybody was very interested to see whether that durability signal would be sustained. And in fact, it was not only sustained, it was it was increased at, at two years, 60 to 65% of the furizumab treatment extend arm were on a Q16 week dosing schedule and another 15 to 20 percent were on 12 weeks, so almost 80 percent of eyes in that arm were on a 12 week or longer dosing schedule at two years. And also interestingly, it was that if an eye, 80 percent of the eyes that achieved a Q12 or Q week dosing schedule at one year continued to have that dosing schedule through two years. So there wasn't wasn't a lot of going back and forth. There was a, you know sustained durability
0: seen from year one to year two. So uh, so most, most eyes were able to be extended out?
1: Yes, in that arm. And again, they were being compared to Q8 week dosing for the other Foresumab arm and the Aflebercept arm. And those two arms obviously were not extended past eight, eight weeks. Um, but when you look at um, the anatomic changes, um, the farisumab arms also were, um, you saw higher proportions of eyes and treated for, with farisumab in both arms that had absence of DME, um, which was defined as a central subfield thickness of less than 325 microns. So um, over 80% of eyes in the farisumab arms at one and at two years had absence of DME, um, The a fluorescein arms was slightly lower at 70 percent, roughly. Um, and also, when you looked at intraretinal fluid on OCT, more faricimab-treated eyes had absence of intraretinal fluid compared to the fluorescein group. And, and and that was true whether it was on the Q8 week faricimab dosing or the treat and extend dosing. So, reduced dosing did not seem to be associated with worse anatomic outcomes or visual outcomes. Um, and if the in the second year, the me, median number of injections in the phommap Treat and extend group was three and in, it was five in the other two groups. so there was about
0: treatment in that Treat and extend group in year two. so you've you've been involved in lead author on protocol T that really, I think it's fair to say, revolutionized our approach to diabetic macular edema. So how do you, how will you incorporate these findings into everyday management of patients with diabetic macular edema?
1: Well, obviously, you know, anytime you see um, fairly convincing results from large phase three studies like this, you're certainly going to want to incorporate it into your practice. I think initially, um, you know, we have a lot of... We know, from, we know from protocol T that chronic persistent uh, edema is very common, and we have a lot of patients that are continuing to come on a monthly basis uh, for a long period of time to try to manage their DME, and so those patients in particular that are, you know, requiring frequent monthly injections on uh, a flu receptor or ranibizumab, I would certainly uh Try to switch those patients over to ferizumab. And, you know, once I see what kind of effect I'm getting in those kind of eyes in my clinic, then I'd be, you know, if I'm getting a good response, then I'm going to be very likely to start using it first line as well.
0: So, ferizumab fit in with aflibricep and uh, bevacizumab.
1: So, well, you know, in protocol T, obviously, bevacizumab uh, was equivalent to ranibizumab and a flu receptor in eyes with better vision at baseline. Um, and so I know a lot of people would argue that, you know, you could start with uh, bevacizumab. I've always been troubled um, that even in those eyes with good visual acuity in protocol T that were treated with bevacizumab and had a good vision outcome, the anatomy was never as good. Uh, through two years, the reduction in central subfield thickness in the bevacizumab group was 50% less than ranibizumab or aflibercept. So um, I'm not a big, uh, I don't utilize bevacizumab much in the treatment of diabetic macular edema for that reason alone. I mean, we like to see the edema go away, right? And it's not going to go away as frequently with the Bevacizumab. So uh,
0: what are the mean number of injections that patients currently in the the network recommendations, what was the recommended mean number of injections in year one?
1: Yeah, so um, if you followed the DRCR treatment algorithm, um, nine to 10 injections were given in all three groups in year one, and five to six in year two. So there was about fifteen to sixteen injections on average given through two years. Uh, so in this uh you know PTI arm, there were only three given in the second year. Um, I think in the first year, I don't I actually don't recall exactly, but I think it was seven in the first year. Um, in the first MAB uh, treatment extend group, so that would be you know a reduction of a third,
0: mm-hmm. ten
1: injections in two years versus fifteen to sixteen.
0: So the recommended uh, starting dose is four monthly injections for PTI? And yes,
1: right, and then continuing monthly treatment until the central subfield thickness is less than three hundred twenty-five microns. Um, I did I failed to mention it, but in uh, that PTI arm, um, only seven percent of eyes were still getting four weekly injections at year mm-hmm. one. So very few numbers were requiring, you know, continued monthly
0: therapy in the first year. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a treatment burden reducer.
1: I think so. I mean, obviously the vision outcomes were the same. The anatomic outcomes seemed to be better than with aflibercept. And so, I, I think that's clearly the benefit here with uh, forismab is that you can reduce the treatment burden.
0: Have you started using it yet?
1: Uh, we haven't. We haven't gotten it in our inventory <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a few weeks. I guess we're a little slow to get it, but I'm told we're going to have some of the first week of March.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. So, Jack, um, this was a sorry about that. this is a great discussion. Um, you're like I said, you're very involved with the network. What's the what's the next big question that we need to answer about diabetic macular edema?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think that uh, you know, there would be, there are trials being considered right now looking at other uh, delivery systems, oral agents, um, which you know previously oral agents have always been complicated by systemic side effects. Um, you know I, I don't know uh, what the next target is going to be, uh, but in uh, prevention, obviously you know, if we could prevent DME that would be ideal. Um, so I'm not, The network has expanded its focus. Um, You know, it's changed its name to the DRCR retina network. And um, lately, a lot of uh, energy has been looking at other retinal diseases. Um, So uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Well, listen, this is a delightful discussion. And thanks for your leadership. And thanks for your wonderful uh, presentation.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate your invitation to discuss it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.